You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Someone, if you're putting your hands together, I want you to put your hands together for the one who truly deserves your praise. No man, no person deserves the praise that you give. Only God. Only God. How many people know that? Only God. He's the only one in morning, Lord, we just pour all of our love on you. We celebrate your love. God, what a privilege we have to be recipients of your love. Someone far wiser than me asked a question, who is man that you're mindful of him? What exactly is it about man that you've chosen to invest your love and your affection on him? Father, we could spend from now to eternity asking this question and still arrive at the point where we find out that it's just simply a function of your love. So tonight we don't question it today, we don't even doubt it, we just step into it. We just step into the flow of your love and we say, Holy Spirit, we're yours. We belong to you. We receive your love. wave your hands to him. Just wave your hands to him. No other God, no other God. There is no your voice and say Voices this morning, I want to hear you just call 
Your presence, your presence. It's heaven to me, to me. Sing, oh Jesus, oh Jesus. I sing your name over and over and over and over again. Oh Jesus, your presence is heaven to me. Your presence is heaven to me. Now just stretch out your hands and just reach out for a taste of of Him. Only Jesus can satisfy. Not that person that you thought would show up for you this week. Not that parent that didn't show up for you when you really, really, really wanted to have that settled family life. Not that friend that betrayed you and backstabbed you when you thought you'd found someone to trust. All that is great to have someone, you know, but nothing, there's nothing quite like the love of God. There's nothing quite like the love of God. So just wade into the flow of his love. Just grab hold of his love this morning. Oh Jesus, oh Jesus, your presence is heaven to me, to me, to me, to me. welcome you you've been here all this time waiting for us but Lord we incline our hearts we incline our eyes to you this morning we know that there is a work you've come here to do in our midst Holy Spirit and we yield the best response we can find for seeing your love and seeing your power and seeing your grace is to yield to you so this morning lord we just yield to your love we say lord have your way in us let everything crooked be made straight let everything that was bound be set free lord in your presence because there's something special that happens in your presence mountains skip like rams those things that look like they wouldn't move they wouldn't budge they wouldn't yield they have to yield to the name of Jesus every name fades away at the name of Jesus and it doesn't matter what your experience may have seemed to suggest every name in the earth beneath the earth in the heavens above every name bows to the name of Jesus so we say have your way Lord we magnify only you only you only you today in Jesus matchless name we pray amen go ahead and celebrate the only living God as you have your seat this morning in God's presence hallelujah good morning life point good morning it really is my privilege to be here this morning and to just Oh, thank you. <laughs> and to just fellowship and just share fellowship. I love PI. Where's PI? Can you just celebrate PI? Isn't he awesome? We celebrate you, PI, and we love you. And Ini's testimony. I mean, how awesome was that? If there was ever a testimony to the power of God to heal, to restore. Hallelujah. We bless the name of the Lord. So just before we dive into the, you know, the gist, I think it's just gist. I just came to gist this morning. 
before we dive into the gist, I think I should confess to you guys and just put it out there that I was a, comp I still am really a complete romantic, all right? As a young girl, I went through all the phases, the Mills and Boons phases, hello, where are my closets? Yeah, yeah, you can come out, this is come out day, you can come out. I went through the Mills and Boons phase, the Harley Quinns and all those sappy love stories, the soap operas and everything. So I love love, all right? I do, I do, I do really love love. And at some point, you know, when you grow up on some of the junk, you know, that I grew up on, you realize that something is just not gelling, right? Something is just not jiving. And you have to go back to find the, the presence of a fake is not doesn't say that there is no original. All it says is that you need to dig a little deeper to find the original, isn't it? And at the point in my life when I encountered the love of God, I think more than anything, more than anything, the love of God just completely broke, just broke through. And just in case this morning you've been through your own share of love abuse, I can assure you, that the healing power of God's love is like nothing else. It is the path to victory. It's the path to wholeness. It's the path to healing. And if you will yield to him this morning, he will absolutely come in and fix those things that you didn't even know were broken in your life. I pray that you'll have a testimony of God's healing power in your life too. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So we've been on a series, right? We've been doing Love Struck. Isn't that it? Love struck, that's been our topic. And our premise has been that God himself was love struck, absolutely love struck, just completely in love with us and chose to demonstrate this wonderful love. You know, and I love this season of Valentine's because it's an opportunity for us to remind ourselves that we're love beings, right? If God is love, and we are children of God. I mean, it's a simple equation, right? Where are my mathematicians in the room? If God is love and we are children of love, that means X is equal to? You are equal to? Yeah, so we're love beings, right? In as much as we're human beings, we are love beings. So love really should be our regular and our normal habitat. But I get it. I mean, stuff comes and interferes with our setting. But thank God for his grace. He has the ability and the capacity to reset us and bring us back to factory setting. Amen. So nudge someone who's beside you this morning and say we're, 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 we're resetting this morning. Resetting this morning. Hallelujah. Yeah. So a teacher of the law asks Jesus a question. I mean, we know the story. We know the verse. It's been our context for this entire series of love, isn't it? Asks Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And they both agreed by the time that conversation was over. It's simple. Love God. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Right? Love God. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So God, me, you. Can you say that with me? God, me, you. And then turn to the person beside you. God, me, you. Right? So that's the equation that God kind of put together. We love God we love ourselves, and we love on people, isn't it? That really is how God meant for it to work. But the beautiful thing about that phrase, you know, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself, is that God just kind of linked those two loves together, the love of self and the love of other people. You're going to love your neighbor as 
you love yourself. That's the context that Jesus gave us for that whole self-love thing. So this morning, we're still on the subject of love, but we're going diving a little deeper into self-love versus selfishness. All right, in this age, I don't think anyone needs any real big introduction into what self-love is. I mean, it's, it's kind of, you know, a regular thing. You can't go on Instagram for one day without having someone putting it in your face, something to do with self-love, right? I'm just loving on myself, right? I'm just, I'm just going to do me myself and I'm doing me. No more drama in my space. Is it, now, why are you laughing now? That's what you see all the time. You know, I'm like, every time I go on Instagram, for me, it's like, it's like I'm this alien <laughs> in strange space. And I can just, you know, I can just imagine how sometimes if you're full of the social media space, you can kind of lose touch with the fact that um, not everything on Instagram really represents true life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not everything on social media <laughs> represents real life. Yeah, so really critical for us this morning to just get some understanding and some perspective on this self-love discussion. So let's read this morning from first, Second Timothy, excuse me, Second Timothy chapter 3. Verse, we're going to read from verse 1 to 5. Okay. In case it looks like I'm watching like 10 screens in front of me, forgive me. I have like three different translations that I'm determined to read from this morning. And we're not going to lose track of any of them, okay? So 2 Timothy, let's read from chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. Do we have it on the screen? Awesome. We'll read from the screen this time. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, it goes on, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And it closes with the phrase, and from such people, turn away. Well, I was reading from um, the Passion Translation earlier, and I thought, I thought I really liked the way it sounded from that translation, so I'll read that very quickly. It says, but you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce and difficult for the people of God. Don't be scared. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride. And they will mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander, slaves to their own desires. They will be ferocious. I think I saw that word this week and I thought, my goodness. <laughs> you know, it almost sounds like the writer of this verse must have taken a peep into our day and age, isn't it? Because it's all stuff that we see every day in our world, isn't it? I mean, it talks there about slanderers. And earlier last year, we remember that the House of Assembly, I think, um, was trying to pass a bill about hate speech. Remember? 
Remember that whole hula baloo about hate speech. And in spite of every other problem and issue that we had going on at that time, hate speech was such a big thing and the punishment was going to be like, you know? But it just goes to show you that the impact of some of that stuff that we just take in every day, hateful words just thrown out casually and carelessly, it's easy to look at someone who stabbed someone or shot someone and say, oh, there goes a killer. But looking sometimes at the impact of hateful words and slanderous words, the impact can be just as deadly. So this scripture is describing a time that looks kind of like what we see today, isn't it? Kind of like what we see today. Hate speech, you know, all over the place. You know, but it says something about the fact that people will be lovers of themselves. And it's possible to read this context of scripture and think that the Bible is telling us, you know, you know what, self-love. Should I love myself? Should I not love myself? I mean, but the earlier scripture we, re we referenced talked about the fact that we should love God, love neighbor, love self. But here it's talking about self-love in a, in a negative context. So where really is the balance, right? It seems like there's a pull in one direction and a pull in another direction. Where do we find exactly what it is the Bible meant when the Bible said, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know, the first thing I really want to say this morning is that love is our nature. Love is our nature. And the truth is we can't give what we don't have. If you've ever met someone who it seemed like in any group you put them in, they would always be the one to pick a quarrel, pick a fight. And when you come back to ask them, ah, what happened then? I'm like, oh, I don't know those people. These people, they're just, they're just not okay. Do you know anybody like that? Anyone? If you don't know anyone like that, can I give you a news flash this morning? Chances are. And you know, if I'm very real with you this morning, this honestly was me a few decades ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, it was me a few decades ago. I remember getting into boarding school. I went to a boarding school in Northern Nigeria. It's in Katsina State, way up north. In case you didn't know, it was a state in Nigeria, Katsina State. It's on the map somewhere. It's, it's there on the map. I went to a boarding school in northern Nigeria, and I remember that. It just came to me one day that it really looks like I don't get along well with people. You know, it was like, ah, revelation. <laughs> you know? And around the time, you know, I went to chapel and, you know, um, we had a preacher come and talk about giving your life to Christ. And I lifted up my hand. I didn't know what I was doing. The following week, give your life to Christ, lifted up my hand again. So I kept giving my life to Christ and taking it back. Until eventually, one of my friends just nudged me and said, I don't think we're supposed to do this every week. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not supposed to do this every week. You know, so somewhere in there, I figured out that you say that prayer and then you begin to work it out. You go into God's word, you take hold with the Holy Spirit, and you now begin to work things out. And I remember one day in the middle of all of this conversion and finally coming to recognize and realize that, Bola, there's something wrong with the way you get along with people. I just lifted up a cry and I told God, you know what, I don't, I I don't want to be like this anymore. I, I want things to be different. And you know the honest truth, I don't know exactly when, when the, on the, the key began to turn in the door. I can't pinpoint the exact moment when things, you know, began to lift and things began to change. But all I recall is 
I dedicated my heart that entire year to sitting down every day with my Bible. I bought a Bible, the Good News Translation, back in the day because I wanted to understand what I was reading. So I got the Good News Translation all those years ago, decades ago, and read it studiously every night. My mother would be passing, you know, the dining table some days during the holidays, and I could see the shock on her face. What exactly is going on here? Kilode? You know, but I stayed with it, but I don't know when it happened, but somewhere in the following year, this is when I knew that there had been a major pivot in my life. It was after prep one afternoon, and I was walking onto the PE field, and suddenly I heard like this chorus of like 20 voices, yay, Bola is here, and they ran to embrace me. And you know, all I remember in that moment was, really? People are actually happy <laughs> that I'm here. Something has changed in my life. I say it often that the power of God heals things about you that you didn't even know were broken. You didn't even know when they got broken. You don't even, you don't even know that they're broken. But that's the capacity that God's power and God's love has to just take crooked things and make them straight and just stretch them out and then just set you up on your feet. So I don't know who, again, in this room may think, be thinking, you know what, Pastor B, I don't, I don't think you get the degree of love abuse I've been through. I don't know. That's the truth. I don't know the details of your story. But I do know one thing. I once was blind, and now I see. And I'm not going back to that place where I was bound. And the same God who brought me out can bring you out. He can do so much more for you if you will yield your heart to him. There's nothing as powerful as the power of love. Not the power of hate. I think Martin Luther King said it best when he said, hate doesn't have the capacity to drive out hate. Only love can drive out hate. And he says, darkness doesn't have the power to defeat darkness. Only light. And as powerful of a speech as that was, he wasn't really being original because how many people know where that comes from? The Bible says that the light shines forth in darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend the darkness. The, the light. All right? So light, that's the answer this morning, light. So the biggest testimony and power of all, I think, is our ability to love one another, to show that love that God has invested in us. You know, and just again, to buttress the power of God and the power and the capacity of God to transform Amen. To transform a human being and just set them aright. I came this morning with my lovely, lovely sisters this morning. Can you please welcome my sisters this morning? They came this morning to hang out with all of you. Ladies, give them a wave. Let them know you're happy to be here this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. They came to give me moral support this morning. So I'm really grateful for their love. All right. So God is really not against self-love. That's really not what the scripture is saying. But there's a context for self-love that we need to understand, okay? Self-love is doing for yourself what Jesus did for you. Did you get that? I'll say it again. Self-love is doing for me what Jesus already did in my life. 
And what did Jesus do? I mean, what were the parameters of Jesus' love? He, he, he left his heavenly throne. He came. He died for us, for us. He forgave us, washed us clean. He's still making intercession for us. He's still, still cheering us on and saying, you can do it. You can make it. So if Jesus forgives me, washes me, loves me, affirms me, why is it so hard for me sometimes to affirm me? We just need to remember sometimes that if Jesus made that whole investment for us, then we ought the more to love ourselves and really love what God has done, what God has invested in us. Amen. Amen. So the question is, Jesus' love for you yielded what? Salvation? I mean, what else? Wholeness? Yielded beauty? What are the things that Jesus loving you brought your way? What is it that Jesus' love has delivered to you? He has given you hope, isn't it? For a beautiful new future. And that's because he considers you to be worth it. I was reading earlier in the week, just again, trying to set context and parameters for the love of God and what self-love really is and what it is not. And I was reading from Judges chapter 9. It's a parable um, in the Old Testament. Many of us are familiar with Jesus' parables, isn't it? We know the parable of the Good Samaritan. We know what other parables do you know? Just shout it out me. What parables do you know? Prodigal son, my all-time favorite. The sower, the parable of the sower. Awesome, wonderful stories. You know, but there was one parable I was reading about this week that just made me stop for a moment to just think about it. And it's found in Judges chapter 9. Judges chapter 9 from verse 8. I'm not going to read the entire thing. I'm just going to try and paraphrase the story. Okay? And it says that one day the trees went, decided that they wanted a king. Right? The trees decided we want a king for ourselves. And the trees went to the olive tree and said, Olive tree, come and be our king. Reign over us. And I absolutely love the response that the olive tree gave. All right, from verse 9. But Olive Tree told them, I'm reading from the message translation, forgive me, message. Verse 9, but Olive Tree told them, I am, no, am I no longer good for making oil that gives glory to gods and men and to be demoted to waving over trees? And I was just trying to wrap my mind around it. I mean, here is this offer, blank check, Olive Tree, come and be king, come and lord it over us. I mean... If you've ever been king before, you know, you know that there are lots of trappings of auspice. But that olive tree was so secure in himself, so clear about his relevance or her relevance, her place in the scheme of things, to say, you know what, hold that kingship. For me, it will be a demotion to step away from the place that God has established me in. There's something about self-love that speaks to recognizing the joy and the, and the goodness that you bring to this earth. It's a very unique flavor that nobody else can duplicate. Nobody else can duplicate. Every single individual has a unique flavor, a unique quality to you, a unique design to your making. 
that nobody else can replicate, nobody else can reproduce. They can copy, but they'll simply always be a copy of the original, which is you. So self-love, in my opinion, the first step to self-love is recognizing the beauty that you bring to this earth. And we want to see your beauty. We want to see you on full manifestation, in full display. Those very gifts that God has invested on your inside. Those very graces that God has gifted you with so that you could turn around and bless us too. We're waiting for it. We want to see it manifest in even higher degree. So perhaps maybe you've manifested to one level. Maybe you've written one book, two books, three books. Awesome. Written one, two, three songs. Awesome. And we celebrate that. But there is so much more. There's so much more to you than meets the eye. There's so much more to you that the world hasn't yet seen. And you need to recognize. You need to recognize that your place is your place. And you need to step into it. Amen. Amen. So that was the olive tree. I mean, it's a long passage and I encourage you to go home and still read it on. They took the same proposition to the fig tree, to the vine. And all three of them had the similar response. Don't demote me. I, I, I get my place in this. I, I understand what I'm here to do and my relevance here. To come and be king is a demotion. I'm not taking it. Until the trees got to the bramble bush. You know what a bramble bush is? It's about, I think, this high. How many of you have seen a thorn bush before? Yeah, just that high. And I think the trees probably thought they'd run out of options when they got to the bramble and said, hey, come and be king over us. But again, amazing response from the bramble bush. It's verse 14. Verse 14, same message translation. All the trees then said to Tumbleweed, you come and reign over us. But Tumbleweed said to the trees, if you're serious about making me your king, come and find shelter in my shade. But if not, let fire shoot from Tumbleweed and burn down the cedars of Lebanon. Do you know any people like this? Any people that just seem out of their mouths to always have some negative thing coming out. And in order to get along with you, they have to cut you down to their size. Hello. I've recognized in my life that in the places where I felt the most unloving, it's simply because I'm simply disconnected. I've just simply disconnected from the source. Because there's something about being connected to God and connected to your source that makes you a channel and allows the river of love and the flow of goodness to, to just run unhindered. Amen. Amen. So self-love this morning, knowing your place, recognizing your place, and not feeling the need to cut everyone around you down to some imagined size of what you think their relevance to you is. You notice the response from the olive tree said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a good work here. There's stuff I'm putting out. Nobody else can put out the stuff I'm putting out. I need to be relevant and useful, bringing joy to God, bringing joy to people. I pray that you will indeed be a source of joy and blessing, both to God and for the people around you, in the mighty name of Jesus. So very important, don't consume all of your love on yourself. 
all right? Understand that you're a channel. You're a channel to meet someone's need. You're a channel to bless someone else. So self-love as well does not exclude the need for discipline. Hello. And I have to just stop for a moment to just talk about this because we see, we see sometimes that word self-love manifests itself in something that looks a little ugly, like me, myself, and I, and nobody else in the scheme of things. Self-love still recognizes that there are disciplines that you need to put in place. You can love yourself so much that you feed on ice cream, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, regardless of how much of a sweet tooth you are. Hello? Right? You get what I'm saying? There's a place for discipline in self-love. And the absence of discipline leads to self-destruction. Amen. So there are two other stories that I just wanted to highlight in the demonstration of self-love. And this morning, I pray that you will see exactly what it is that God has for you. Just in case you went through this week and Valentine's Day came and you were just a little disappointed by the way the day went. I can assure you, I can assure you that Valentine's Day alone does not define the parameters of your worth. Amen. Valentine's Day alone does not define the parameters of your worth. In fact, I told myself I wasn't going to tell this story this morning. So it won't be as if I came to report your pastor to you. Amen. And so it won't look like I was gossiping when he's not here to defend himself. However, just for that one person who probably came through this week thinking, you know, uh, what is there really to love about me if even the people around me cannot recognize that I'm such a lovable person. The first Valentine gift that I received from my darling dearest. The memory of it still fills me with pain. <laughs> you know, and I want you to just imagine this. I got to work. It was a weekday. I worked in a bank, you know, and my office then was... We sat in a rotunda. It was a round, circular rotunda, you know, and glass all around. So you were private, but not private. Everybody could see into the rotunda. So I was seated at my table, and someone screamed on the front desk, Oh, Bola, you have a gift! Oh, you know, <laughs> sounding all excited on my behalf. You know, and someone comes with this box, like, yay, open it, let's see what's in this gift. And here I was thinking that, ah, okay, had I misjudged this young pastor dude? Did I, did I, did I really... Ah, did he really come up with such an awesome gift, you know? I, I was like, okay, let's see. And here I was with all eyes on me. Yes. <laughs> Tore open the wrapper. Opened to behold. Imagine what was in the box. A towel. The own is not that bad. What am I trying to say? Your own is not that bad. And I still married him. Your own is not that bad. Let me just tell you, all right? So I want you this morning to just celebrate yourself, all right? Celebrate yourself. Your own is not bad, all right? I don't care what it was this week that tried to suggest to you. I mean, imagine if I had had my esteem locked to that gift. I would have missed out on the many years of loving that I've come after. Because it's 17 years, going, going to 17 years this year, and I have no regrets. No regrets. No regrets. 
Thank God I did not judge him by that one towel, that incident, that towel. Thank you very much. Thank God I did not judge the young man. Don't worry, the next time he comes, you can ask him about the towel, all right? So that me and you will finally have an answer of what, what the rationale was for that <laughs> towel of a gift. Amen? Amen. So your own is not bad. Don't worry. If I could leave that down, you can leave anything down. All right? Awesome. Awesome. You know, but there are just some stories in scripture for me that really just highlight the fact of what self-love really means and what the depth of it could be, what the height of it might be. One of those stories is in Genesis 40. It tells us the story of the young man called Joseph. We know the story of Joseph, right? He was brutally stolen from what was his loving family life. At least he had a father who loved him and made a beautiful coat of many colors for him. But his brothers could not abide him. And one day, what did they do? They sold him off into slavery. The Ishmaelites, the Ishmaelite slave traders took him to Egypt and sold him to a young man called Potiphar. Finally began to, Potiphar as, finally began to prosper as a slave in Potiphar's house. When Potiphar's uh, missus began to look at him with corner eye, young man, it seems like I like you. I'm shooting my shot. And the young man was not interested. He recognized that, look, if I'm going to make a success of my life, I really need to keep the love of God high in my focus. He got thrown into prison because he refused to compromise, right? And then he landed in this prison, and that's where we are now in Genesis 40. Joseph is now in prison, accused of a crime that he did not do. If anyone should have been so far away from love and the concept of self-love and God-love and neighbor-love, as in all three loves seem to have forsaken him, isn't it? Do you agree with me? It should have been Joseph. But yet, the Bible records of him in that portion of scripture, that one day, as he was going about his prisoner duties, he noticed a butler and he noticed a baker. And the Bible said that he noticed that they were sad. And I'm like, hold up. Are we not in prison again? Are we supposed to be waking up in prison every morning going, kumbaya, Lord, kumbaya? It's, it's not a joyful type of environment, isn't it? Of course we're sad. We're in prison. But the Bible still says that in spite of everything that surrounded them at that point, Joseph noticed that these guys were sad. And I just ask myself the question, how many times should I have been so full of my own problems and ignored the problems of the person who is standing right beside me because I'm like, we're in the same boat. Why should their problem be higher than mine? Why should I invest more time in their issues when I'm dealing with the exact same thing right now? But the Bible says that Joseph took a moment, just put pause on his own issues on his own problems, on his own concerns, and he stepped up to the baker and the butler. Tell me, how can I help you? How can I serve you? And many of us know the story. They both told him their dreams. He interpreted their dreams. And how many of us remember that? That singular investment of his time, of his skill, of his gift in another person who was also suffering a similar fate as him was the ignition to break him out of that prison because when pharaoh dreamed a dream that he could not interpret that's when the butler remembered that hey 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 hey, hey. there is a guy in that prison that can sort you out pharaoh 
Just imagine if Joseph had woken up that morning and decided, let everybody hang their own face another side. My own problems are enough for me. And you work in an office. And you're thinking to yourself, all of us have not been paid. Hallelujah. Because I've been through that. I've worked in an office before where months at a time you'd be owed salaries. And it was a case of every man for himself, man. In this jungle, you know, every man for himself. But to imagine that what self-love in this context meant at the intersection of where loving your neighbor met was exactly the key to the breakthrough he needed. And I asked the question, how many times do we stay too long in a prison that God had ordained for us to get out of simply because we've ignored the opportunities we have to bless the neighbor, to bless the person beside me, to bless the person across from me, to bless the person just standing right behind me. And we get so self-absorbed sometimes in what we're going through that we ignore the cues that God is giving us to be more, to do more, to manifest him in our world. I remember one day I was coming from work back in the day. I was working in the office I mentioned, the office where we're owed salaries over and over again. And I had an assignment that day. Our office was at a papa. And I had to take something to Ikoyi for the office. And I was in the middle of thinking, number one, you're owing me salary. And number two, you're sending me across the length and breadth of Lagos. But I went ahead and I, I did what I was asked to do. And then I got to um, CMS. How many of us know where CMS is? Awesome. I got to CMS that day. And um, just standing at CMS, waiting for the bus that would take me to our papa. I just looked across. Back in the day, there used to be an e-tree at that junction. Is it still there? Um, tantalizers? Is it still? It's still there. Okay, awesome. You know, I just stood across from the e-tree and something just said, go in there. I have something for you to do there. So I walked in. And as I bought a meal and sat down, I saw a young lady across from me. And God said, just go up to her and tell her I love her. Just go up to her and tell her that I love her. And here I was in the middle of having a bad day reminding myself again that I was still expecting God to do a number of things in my life. Number one, this office that I was working in that didn't seem to be doing me right. But I knew what I heard. I knew the impression I had in my heart. So I just scooted a little bit over to her and I told her, you know what, I don't know. I'm sorry, this may seem weird in the middle of Lagos. How many of us know that strangers walking up to you in Lagos, you will think twice. I said, this may seem strange, but I just want you to know that God says I should tell you that he loves you and nothing that you've experienced um, can change the fact that he loves you and he does not, he does not in any way, he has not in any way forgotten you. That was the message for her that day. And you know, she stopped eating for a moment and then the avalanche and then she begins. Her mom had died the previous year and she had trusted God all through her mom's illness and the healing just didn't come. So she said she remembers the day she told God, you know what, God, you've forgotten about me. So I'm going to forget about you. And that simple message that day, in the middle of my own pain, was light and healing for her. And you know, I got up from that place that day, you know, went back to my office and 
somehow I knew it was God. I just got inspired to write some article. I was working in a newspaper company then. I got inspired to write an article, wrote an article that day. And you know the way God works, the way, the absolutely amazing way that God works, the article I wrote that day was what recommended me for the job that I got eventually. There was just a grace that God, that God was waiting to release on me just because I chose to step out of my own pain, step out of my own issue and be an answer to someone else's issue. Amen. The fact that you're going through a little something, something, something that you don't like right now should not be an indication to you that God has left you or that God has forgotten you. God wants an opportunity to show himself strong, even in the midst of what looks like a prison, even in the middle of what looks like a tough situation. Amen. And if your love for God, the junction, you know, I, I call it a junction where the love for God, the love for yourself and the love for your neighbor, there's a junction where it meets and it's a continuum. If you will allow God to continue to inspire you into that junction, into that space, and to flow through you to be a source of healing and light to everyone around you, you'll be shocked at the amazing things that he can do with your life. So this is my question this morning. What have you stopped having time for? What is it that you've stopped having time for? Is it time with God? Is it time to just worship? Time to just love on him? Just time to be a child in his presence. He's drawing you back into that place. He's calling you back into that place. Because remember I said you can't give what you don't have. And in every place where you feel low and dry and empty, it's a call, it's a yearning from the Spirit. Calling you and drawing you back into God's presence. And this is what God is saying to you this morning. Will you just come back into my presence? Will you just come back and receive from me what you need? To be all that I've made you to be. To be that love being. To demonstrate my love. First John asked the questions. How, how, how can we say we love man? Or that we love God who we haven't seen. When we haven't yet shown or demonstrated. To the man that we do see that we love. Beloved we need to love. Can you say that with me this morning? We need to love. We need to love. So don't. Give excuses for selfishness. Don't give any ex Don't allow any excuses for it this morning. Can I ask you this morning in the next one or two minutes, just bow your head for a moment. And this is a prayer I want you to lift up to God in this room today. I want you to ask this morning, God, help me open my eyes this week to see anyone that you are sending my way. Help me this week, oh God. Open my eyes so that I will not overlook what you're doing in my life and so that I will not overlook what you want to do in my life through other people. Show me, Lord, not to disconnect from the people around me that you've sent me to be a light to. You've sent me to be a source of joy to. Any place where the... the, 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 the the river on my inside may have been shut up, may have been stopped up. Holy Spirit, I receive from you this morning capacity to be that river of living waters, flowing waters that blesses everyone around me, 
that touches everyone around me, that resources everyone around me. I won't be too busy to love. I won't be too busy to demonstrate what you have called me to do and to be. You know, the New Testament has 50 plus different instructions for us on how to love one another. It says pray for one another. It says love one another. It says confess your faults to one another. Can you ask this morning, Lord, show me how to be that one for another. Because I sense in this season that God wants to use you as an answer to someone else's prayer. And as you position yourself to be that answer to someone else's prayer, he's fixing to break you out just the same way he broke Joseph out of prison. Just the same way that he delivered to Abraham and Sarah their own child when they received strangers in their house. Perhaps you've gone through a season that felt a little bit like dryness and stagnation and barrenness. And if like Abraham and his wife Sarah, you were waiting for a visitation from God so that you could have the child that you'd been trusting God for. But instead, here comes three strangers and they chose to receive strangers into their home and in the middle of being a source of sustenance and a source of refreshing to three strangers God sent them a word by this time next year Sarah is going to carry her baby Sarah is going to carry her baby I don't know what baby you're trusting God for maybe a baby in your career maybe a promotion on your job perhaps in the area of your relationship you're trusting God for some kind of breakthrough in this season I just want to put it out there in the room this morning. That your issues, your life is too, is, is too important for, the, for you to be only consumed by the things that concern your own life. Do you get what I'm saying? Your life has to be, be about more than you. It has to be about more than you. It has to be about more than you. That's when it has gains relevance. That's when it gains significance. I want you to ask this morning, Holy Spirit, show me, show me, show me every opportunity I have to love and to be a channel of love. He said, this is how they will know that I am your disciple because I love, because I demonstrate love, because I show love. Can you ask this morning, Holy Spirit, show me, show me, show me. I can't do it in my own strength, but thank God I have you. The Holy Spirit has been shed abroad in our hearts and so we have capacity. And maybe for you, the biggest challenge you're dealing with right now is in the way you see yourself. You look in the mirror and you see nothing to admire. You look in the mirror and you're always wishing, why don't I look like the next person or the person down the street or the person across from me? Can I remind you this morning that God thinks you're all of that. He thinks you're so special. He thought you were worth dying for. He sent his one and only precious son to die for you. That is how God loves. He loved you 
by dying for you. I want you this morning to just see through God's eyes for just one minute and see that when he looks at you, all he sees is his beautiful creation. And nothing you've been through will change the fact that he loves you passionately, fully, completely, sacrificially. And he's made up his mind to love you. Full stop. Why does he love you? He has made up his mind. Full stop. So for someone in this room, that's what you need. You just need to say, Lord, I'm not going to stop trying to make sense of it. I'm just simply going to receive it. Even though there's a voice in my head telling me, you, you, you don't deserve such a love. I make a choice today to step into your love. Holy Spirit, I thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in this room. Thank you for all kinds of heart surgeries that you're doing in this room. Thank you, Lord, because you're restoring the hearts of your children back to you. And where there's some negative self-image that has come because the enemy has done some work of stealing, of killing, of destroying. Holy Spirit, you, you said that Jesus came to give us life and to give us abundant life. Let that abundant quality of life, Lord, be made manifest in your sons and your daughters today. Heal completely, fill fully, bring a refreshing from the Spirit so that no life will remain the same. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. This week I have an assignment for you, everyone in this room. Everyone in this room. And, and I want you, I want you to really give your heart to it this week in the coming week the bible says gives us so many instructions on how we can demonstrate that we love one another that we are god's children that we have love for god's people it says care for people it says love them confess your faults to them bear their burdens there's so many of them listed out in scripture So this week, I want you, every day of this week, to set your heart to do at least one, one another action in this week. Pray for someone where you have the capacity to bless them. Don't just say it is well, God bless you, you'll find an answer somewhere. Be that blessing to them. Consciously be a hand, an extension of God's hand and God's eyes and God's heart this week for someone else. Amen. Do you get the task? Do you get the assignment? You get it? Does everyone get it? All right. So can you do that this week? Consciously put yourself in a space where God can use you to transform your portion of the universe and be that light, be that source of light and love for someone around you this week. And I pray that as you do that, the love of God will burst forth on every side. The Bible says that love is the more excellent way. I pray that as you choose to walk the path of love this week, you will see demonstrations of God's power, demonstrations of his love, demonstrations of God's very presence in you and with you. In Jesus' mighty name. 
God bless you. I pray you have an awesome week, a fantastic week, and that God will continually be made real in your life. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.